afternoon or evening for wherever you may be joining us from today. Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. And today, God, we've had the opportunity to commune with Him. Jesus, there's a sweet presence here today. I just feel in my spirit over the last three or four weeks that I just do not want to come in here and rush through what God is doing in this first part of this service. I just want to be able to linger. I just want to be able to let Him move. I've got a schedule in front of me with every song we're going to sing and every announcement we're going to talk about and I've got 30 minutes to speak and I've got to close the service out and tell you certain things but I just have, have, have made the omission in my spirit that I am not going to be stuck just doing what the script says but I want God to have license in this room to show up and do what He needs to do because I tell you church I can't rely on my preaching. I can't rely on my preaching to fix all your problems. I can't rely on the things that I can put together in a few notes to fix all of your problems. But I need God in this room. I need the Holy Spirit of God to show up and lead us to a place and a depth where only He can repair the deep parts of your soul and the deep parts of my soul. So I thank you for worshiping with us today. This is how we get to that place. You can do this at home. You can do it in your own place. But there's something that happens when the people of God agree. They come into one accord and they agree. When the Spirit of the Holy Ghost was poured out, it was not poured out in a room with one individual, but it was in a place where they were in one accord and they were in unity as the body and they were seeking and they were waiting and they were looking to God. And I believe that there's a principle there for us to see today. And this is not even what I'm preaching about. That when we gather and we come, and we unite our minds and our heart and our spirit towards the one true God, the only one who can really fix us, the only one who can really speak to us in the deep parts of our soul and can heal us and bring us victory and bring us joy. When we align ourselves as a body towards Him, this will become a church unlike any other church in this city. This will become like a church unlike any other church that you drive by on a Sunday and they're just showing up and they're just checking off a box. This will become a place of God's refuge. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Um, it's been a privilege to, to sit in the seat and, and, and worship with our team. God has blessed us with great, great people to lead us into worship every week. And I thank our team. I know I lead the team, and I'm trying not to be biased um, by saying we have great worship here, but um, I'm just so privileged to lead a great team of people um, who, can, who can get into the presence of God and can worship with abandon and, and just get into that place where we can, as a church, come before God. So thank you to our team today. Um, it's just been a privilege to worship with you and my stupid mask. Just goes everywhere. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, have nothing wrong, I have nothing against masks. It's just trying to worship in a mask. It's just terrible. You know what? You can go be seated for now. Um, we're going to open up in Scripture, but it's a bit, bit longer than normal, so I'm going to let you be seated. Um, I'm going to preach to you for a few short moments today. I, I, I don't plan to be terribly long. Um, pastor was here last week, and he preached on breakthrough in revival and he had been leading us in a kind of an impromptu series of messages I don't think he ever necessarily intended it to be a certain start date and an end date of a series of lessons and, and sermons but it just kind of evolved into that and today I, I didn't really feel released to, to go anywhere else but kind of to stay in that vein and so um, with 
his permission. Actually, I didn't ask for his permission, but um, I'm assuming I have his permission. I'm going to extend his series one more week. Um, And we're going to talk about today breakthrough faith. Breakthrough faith. Um, And and I just want to talk to you for a few short moments about the idea of faith. But not just faith, breakthrough faith. We've been talking about breaking through in our thinking and, 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 and breaking through in revival and, and Pastor did an amazing job last week of, of planting the seed, I believe, in our hearts and our minds of revival. That God doesn't desire us to have a revival service. He designs us to be a revival church. Because we see in the, the, the New Testament apostolic church where they added to the church daily. And that's the kind of church that I believe we're breaking through into. A church that has breakthrough in their worship. They can get out of the box and they can allow God to move in worship. They can break through in their thinking. And they're not captivated, captive by their thoughts and what the enemy puts in their mind. But as pastor likes to say, they put down that stinking thinking. And they think with the mind of God and liberty in God. And I believe we're a church that is, that is not going to just talk about revival, but we are going to see revival in a way that we have not anticipated or even thought possible in this place. And, and you, you can preach with me if you want. Uh, you can agree with me today. It's okay. I know, uh, you, can, you can get behind me. You can shout me down, but I'm just going to say it again. I believe that we are going to see revival in a way that we've never seen it before. Maybe, maybe we still need to work on some of our thinking. Maybe we got to re-preach stinking thinking because I think sometimes we just don't believe it's possible. We don't believe we let something in our mind just talk us out of it. But I'm here to declare today that there is breakthrough in revival. And today I pray that I can articulate a breakthrough in your faith. A breakthrough in your faith. We're going to read a few portions of scripture here as we start. You can remain seated for this. Genesis 12, beginning in verses 1 and 2. Genesis 12, beginning in verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Say, get out. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And then Abraham just started to sing the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. You know, I, I feel like when I was reading that this, this, this week, I was like, there's the song. There's the song. May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. He, he receives this great promise and calling from God in Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Get out from your family and from your father's house, and I will make you a great nation and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And Hebrews 11 in the New Testament follows up on Abraham. Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 10, says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place that he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going, but by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, he went out. By faith, he obeyed. By faith, he went out to receive what God had called and promised him to. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, the last portion before we pray over this sermon. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we now see did not come from anything that, cannot, that can be seen. It's by faith that shows us the reality of what we hope for. Faith shows us the reality, but the evidence we cannot see. Pray with me today over this message, that God would speak it with clarity 
to your mind. God, as we begin into your word today, I pray that we could articulate with the right clarity and the right vernacular, God, the words and, and, and the, the, the context of your text today in a way that your people, that I and your people would receive a breakthrough in our faith, that it would be a faith, God, that allows us to step out even into the unknown and receive the promises of God for our lives here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Faith defined. Every good sermon starts with a Webster's definition. Here we go. What is faith? Well, faith is kind of one of those cliche words. We use it in the secular. We use it in the spiritual. But Webster's defines faith as a state of habit of mind in which trust is placed. You take faith in objects that are completely uh, unrelated to God every day. You have faith in the brakes on your car. You have faith when you turn on the air conditioning that it's going to turn on and you're not going to overheat. You put faith, it's a state and a trust of your mind in something. But in the spiritual sense, oftentimes I feel like that definition is sometimes a little watered down. I could go across the room, I could, I could take a survey, I could even go out to the local Tim Hortons and take a survey, and there's probably a lot of people that would say, I, I believe in a God. Sure, you're talking to me about God, I believe there's a God. But I want to argue today that faith is not merely just a belief of something. Faith is not just merely a, a mental recognition of something. Yes, faith has to start in the mind. Yes, faith has to begin in your mind. But faith for Christians has to go so much further than just a simple, I believe. I believe there's a God. I believe, even I'll go as far as to say, I believe that there was somebody named Jesus who lived on this earth. There are many people that you could survey and find that would say they believe. But is faith merely just a belief? When I look at the word of God, I see faith, but faith in action. Faith put into works. Faith put into motion. Faith put into an undeniable dependency upon God as my sole surviving agent of my life. In the Greek, the word is pistuo. And most of the definitions or most of the translations of your Bible would say believe. And again, I'm not negating the foundation or the fundamental of a belief in God. Hear me. We have to believe that he is who he is. But faith goes so much beyond what I would call, quote unquote, religion. Because there's a lot of people, and you probably work with them, I know I do, who would say they're religious. Maybe they say I'm I'm Pentecostal, I'm, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist. They, they, they identify themselves or their faith by a religion. I have this idea or this mental belief in something. But I would argue today that a breakthrough in faith, the breakthrough that Life Church needs to have in their faith, is not simply that you identify your faith with a belief or with a religious structure, so to speak. You see, the Bible, when, when, when you look at the apostles, you look at the New Testament, you look at the f- disciples and the followers of Jesus, they exhibited a level of faith that for many of us is so hard to even comprehend. But they followed Jesus, watched him perform miracles. They were involved in performing miracles. They were, they were bringing the loaves and the, the fish and they were calling people up from their crippled state. They were involved with ministry. Jesus is crucified and he pours his spirit out in the upper room and the first church is established. This whole time, they didn't even wear the label of Christians. You know, you and I walk around and we say, well, we're Christians. We identify ourselves, we're Christians. We're good people, we're Christians. These early followers of Jesus, it wasn't until a long way off in the book of Acts, that they were ever even called a Christian. You see, because they weren't tied up in an identity. They weren't tied up in a label. They weren't tied up in just a religious structure or subsystem to put their faith upon. 
but their faith was solely in one thing and one thing alone. It was in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just a, a, a mental recognition of who he was, but it was an active, ongoing, everyday following of their master. And when they followed after their master, they were involved in some of the greatest ministry that they would ever see transpire. And they weren't even called Christians. They were called the way. They were just followers of the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They weren't tied up in this idea that faith was simply a recognition of a tradition or a religion or a label. But faith was so much more than that. Yes, they had to believe, but they had to put their belief into action to see the miraculous hand of God. And I would argue today that great faith has always preceded a great move of God. Great faith has always preceded a great revival of God. Great faith has always preceded a great victory with God. Great faith has always preceded a great miracle of God. And great faith has always preceded a great rescue from God. Great faith. A breakthrough in our faith as we sit here today is what I believe we need in this day and this age as his church. Faith goes so much farther than just belief. And I'll share with you just a couple of scriptures to, to, to maybe help you see where I, what I mean by that. Because again, I'm not putting down your belief. You could be here today and you've just started believing in God. And I commend you. I commend you because you have to have a place in which there's a day one, a turning away from the, the worldview I've always known, and I am now turning myself towards this great creator. But don't get caught up in the status quo of just being comfortable with knowing that God is real, knowing that God is who he is. But let God push you into places that he has designed you to go as his child, his son, and his daughter. Faith goes so much farther than our belief. Mark 5, in Mark's gospel, it records the story about um, Jesus and his interaction with somebody who's possessed by a demon. They're in the, the region of the Gerasenes. And in Mark 5, it, it, it talks about how Jesus, it, 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 he sees this, this, this person who's been possessed day and night, day and night, day and night by a spirit, a legion of demons. And when Jesus was, was, was approaching this man, he was, he was not quite right up on him yet, but as he's approaching the man, in Mark 5, we'll throw the scripture up in verse 7. This is why the man responds, and it's not really him responding, it's the demon inside of him. Why are you interfering with me? Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. This is the Spirit speaking through this man who is possessed and the evil spirit knows who God is. That evil spirit believes that God is real. That evil spirit knows that Jesus, he understands this better than some Christians, that Jesus is actually the son of God. He is God in the flesh. So I would have to say that belief itself doesn't constitute great faith because the demons believe in him but they don't place their faith in him and, and I believe that if there's something the devil can do to the modern day church is that he can get the church comfortable with their level of faith he can get the church comfortable with just believing that God is who he is and not really doing anything about it Later goes on in James, James chapter 2, a great book or a great ver a chapter to read about faith. I'm just going to look at one verse, James 2 and 19. You say, Jonathan, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. I don't believe in all those little gods. I don't believe in those false gods. I believe in one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe, and they tremble 
and terror. There's a difference between me believing that there is a God and me having breakthrough faith and putting my faith in that God that I claim to believe in. It's not simply a mental recognition or a state of mind, but God in his word has called his church to act upon their faith, to act upon their faith. I'll tell you, this world that we live in is not in need of more churches full of people who just simply believe there's a God. This world is not just in need of churches that simply believe that God exists. But this world is in need of a church, and I believe that Life Church is positioning itself in this season to become a church who is not just believing that there is a God, but they are willing and ready to do what God has called them to do with that understanding. We are so blessed because we understand that He is real, that He is near, but what are we willing to do with it? Because what I've come to learn in reading scripture is that your faith, it starts out as that understanding. It starts out as that, that, that thing in your mind, in your heart that you've been wrestling with, but you finally come to terms that there's got to be more than just me and there's got to be a God out there. It starts there, but your faith, breakthrough faith, will move you. Faith will always move you. What do you mean by that? Well, in our opening text, we learn about Abraham. Let's put some flannel board to this story for you. Because honestly, that's where a lot of us probably remember Abraham is in Sunday school, right? What's the first thing that comes to mind? He's old. He's old. And they called him the father of all these little kids. It's kind of weird. Let's just be honest. We read about Abraham in Genesis, and by the time we're reading about him in chapter 12, he's about 75 years old, which really in Bible times, 75 is like the new 40, you know? They lived a lot longer. So he, he, he's old, but he's not 75 in modern day times, let's just put it like that. But we read about, we read about him getting called by God, receiving a promise from God in Genesis 12, and you know, sometimes we focus on the age for, for interesting reasons because we get to the point of the story where they're promised children and the Bible would say they're past the point of bearing, so there's a physical barrier there. But, but what I find interesting when he's called is that he's an established person. He, he's, he's, he's an established person in his life. He has land. He, he, he has livestock. He lives in a port town where there's, there's lots of commerce and business, and, and I imagine he does quite well for himself given some of the status of, of his family and we learn from Scripture. So when I read that he's 75, what strikes me as odd when God calls him to leave where he's at. He's not just some drifter teenager who's trying to find their way, but he's an established man in his life. He's got family. He's got property. He's got cattle. He's got livestock. And God says, I want you to come away from it. I want you to leave. I want you to get out of your country to the place that I will show you. Goes on to make this great promise. I will make you great over many nations. I will bless you. I will make you famous and a blessing unto others. And what was Abraham's response? He departed. We don't see any real struggle. We don't see any real battle. I'm sure he felt it. I'm sure he had that internal struggle. I'm sure he had that internal pull. But he departed at the Lord's call. And it was later in Hebrews, in our opening text, where we got clarity to say that it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God. When he was called away from what was comfortable, when he was called away from the familiar, when he was called away from what he had always known and from what he had built with his own hands into something unknown, it was his faith. But it wasn't just the faith where he believed God was a God. He was the God. 
It was a faith that he was willing to put into action. It was a faith that made him willing to uproot himself, to leave behind the things that may have been once comfortable. And God said, to a land that I will show you. Huh. Doesn't he really know where he's going? I will show you. You, you. you pick up and start to move and I will show you. I will give you. He couldn't just punch it into the GPS. He couldn't just punch it into to, to ways. Well, there's some, some camel traffic on, on the east side of the Hebrew, and so maybe we'll go this way. I will show you. He had to make a decision by faith. He had to step out in faith. His faith was an obedience to the call and the promise of God that he received. And if you continue to look at Abraham, once his faith moved him past the point of just believing, understand me, it was important that he believed because his father, if you go into the word of God, his father was one that worshipped false gods. His father was one who, who knew all about idols and, and, and idol worship. And so Abraham no doubt understood the world of idolatry. And so he had to believe that God was real, but his belief didn't just stay there, but he allowed his belief to move him, to mobilize him to the point where he was willing to leave behind what was comfortable. And once, once he responds, once he responds in faith, I don't have time to go through the whole story with you, but every step of faith brought him into a deeper place in the promise because you see he was told by God go and then he responds later in verse 7 he brings clarity to the promise because you responded Mo Abraham I will bring you to the place and he brings him to the border of Canaan and says this is the place the promise got a little deeper and then we know huh, this is great promise God but you, you realize I have no descendants me and my wife, we have no children. But he was faithful, and he moved. And so as he responds in faith, God deepens the promise. Because it's a few short chapters later. Get into verse 15. He's having this conversation. God, how is this going to happen? I don't have any children. How is this going to take place? I, I, I'm too old. He receives the promise of a son. He changes his name from Abram to Abraham the father of nations. He's getting him ready. And then I love this. If you look at the, the story, he says to Abraham, I want you to establish the covenant of circumcision. And, and we don't have time to get into the depth of all that, but he was asking for Abraham to do something in faith. You believe I'm God, but I want you to establish this covenant of circumcision. And it says immediately after God spoke, him and all the men of his house were circumcised. And it's not very long after, chapter two later, we see the birth of Isaac through Sarah. Because every time Mo Abraham took a step in faith, every time he responded to the call, every time he took that step forward, God deepened the promise. He brought clarity to the promise. He said, you've been faithful with this step. Now do this and I will take you even further. And this isn't a, this isn't a salvation by works message. Please hear me. I, I'm not saying your works can save you, but what I'm saying as a Christian, your faith ought to move you. Your faith ought to not keep you where he found you, but it ought to move you into the deeper parts of his calling upon your life. And every time you respond from what I see in the word of God, he makes the, the, the call clear. He brings greater clarity. He deepens the promise. And he receives a son, Isaac. Huh. Then we know what happens. He asks him to put his faith into action again. Take that son, Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to sacrifice him. Again, I'm sure Abraham had his struggles. Abraham, if you read the story of Abraham, he was not perfect through this journey. He made a lot of errors, if you read it. But when he received the call from God, he immediately obeyed. And he took Isaac, and he mobilized his faith, and said, I, this doesn't make sense, but somehow, somehow I, gotta, I have to do it. Because I know that God, if he's called me to do it, he's going to see me through on the other side of it. 
He was there when he called me back from my home. And he was there when he met me at Canaan and said, this will all be yours. And he was there when we, we, we took that covenant of circumcision. And then he was there when, when Sarah brought forth child. He's going to be here now. And in Genesis 22, 16, this is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I swear by my own name, you didn't withhold your only son. You mobilized your faith. You put your faith into action even when it wasn't comfortable and made no sense. And because of this, the promise is going to deepen. Because of this, the call will be deeper. Because of this, the call will be clearer. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you and I will multiply. He enters into multiplication because his faith was put into action. He enters into multiplication. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all, and hear this last verse, through all your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You went from having a blessed family to blessing the whole earth Really what's being said in that verse is a, is a prophetic statement of the Messiah who would come out of the, the tribes of Israel, which would all be traced back to Abraham's faithfulness to leave his home and his country. The promise and the call got deeper and deeper and more clear and more clear with every step of faith that Abraham took. Now the whole world will be blessed. A promise of the Messiah to come. I, Abraham demonstrates the principle of God for us. Here's the principle. God is a rewarder of great faith. God is a rewarder of great faith. Abraham took one step and the promises began to unfold in ways that he would never have imagined. It wasn't perfect. It was messy. He made mistakes. He didn't do it right. I'm sure he made it a longer process than it needed to be, but he took step after step after step because he put his faith into action. He, he went from simply hearing about descendants to seeing his very own son to the promise of multiplication. See, living in faith and this is why I say I think the devil would be completely comfortable to keep churches with the lights on, full of people who just simply believe. Oh, God's good. There's a God. He created the earth. Did you know that Jesus, he's, he's God in the flesh? But would never be willing or ready to mobilize their faith. What do you mean? You, you want me to get uncomfortable. What do you mean you want me to step away from my comfort zone? What do you mean you want me to leave something behind? Life Church, we need a breakthrough in our faith. Because what this city needs is not a church full of people who are not willing to mobilize their faith. Not willing to step out into the unknown with their faith. If you're comfortable, there's probably a need for breakthrough in your faith. If you're comfortable with your routine of coming to church, and I'm glad you came, and those who are online, I pray you come every single week. But if it's more of a routine than anything, I think we need a breakthrough in our faith. If you're comfortable, there's a problem. When I look at stories in the Word of God, Faith is not usually comfortable. Shauna did such a great job a few weeks ago of, of, of ministering to us through the woman of the issue of blood. When I see the woman of the issue of blood, and, and, and she, she touched on a scripture that, that, that I made a note about it, and I included it in here because she, she touched the hem of his garment, and, and the word said that she trembled. She trembled. I guess I didn't see that before, but why'd she tremble? Because she wasn't supposed to be where she was. She was unclean. She wasn't supposed to be around people. And here she is in the crowd. She put her faith into 
motion. And it made her uncomfortable, and, and, and she trembled. And I thought, God, isn't that just like us, that sometimes we got to make ourselves vulnerable? we got to make ourselves uncomfortable if we're going to receive what we're going to receive. And I know that she was healed when she touched the hem, but he restored her. He restored her. Shauna, that was great. He restored her to her standing with people. It wasn't just a healing, but it was a restoration. But it only happened because she was willing to get uncomfortable in a place. Moses, he was a stutterer. God called him to speak. Noah, build a boat for this crisis that doesn't even exist. Peter, come to me. Step out of the safety. Israelites at the Red Sea said, In Hebrews 11, by faith, they walked through the Red Sea. I don't know about you. (laughs) The miracle of the Red Sea. Which one of us is going to be the first person to walk through those waters? (laughs) Like, like, let's think about it. Who's scared? I I have a friend. I won't expose him. He's been to our church. He's he's sang multiple times here. Um, (laughs) Ricardo. Um, he's scared of water, but he loves cruise ships. He doesn't like water, but he likes cruise ships. There's some people who are scared of water. This is by faith they had to step through the parted seas. Because your faith is only as good as you who are ready to move upon it. I'm sure it wasn't comfortable. Walls of water on both sides of you. But they stepped out in faith. In each of these situations, there was a call from God. In each of these situations, there was a response. And I believe that right now, God is calling Life Church to something. He's calling us. He's spoken through our pastor. He spoke to us at our leadership retreat a few weeks ago. And I'm sure Pastor Steve will take time to, 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 to cast what God spoke to this leadership team about where this church is going and where God is taking us as a body of believers. But I believe that it's not by coincidence that we are where we are, but he is speaking to this church. Just as he called each and every one of those people to get uncomfortable in their faith. Noah, build. Peter, come. God spoke and they responded with faith. And they entered into a new purpose, a new power, an undeniable experience. They began to live by multiplication. They began to live with a means that was so far beyond their own. Because faith Breakthrough faith will make you uncomfortable. And I asked the music if they'd come back. I'm going to wrap up here in just a few moments. The reality is we need a faith that persists and endures in the face of setbacks. We need a faith that persists persists in the face of our setbacks. Abraham was living in the promises of God. He received that call. Genesis 12, leave your country, leave your family. He responded, I'm going to give you this land. He he, he walked him up to the, the borders of Canaan, which would become known as the promised land throughout the Bible, whenever you, whenever you see or hear them talk about the promised land, they're speaking about that land that was promised to Abraham. He takes him to a place where he sees the promises of God, bring him a child. But Abraham never did enter that land. Abraham never really saw the fulfillment of that promise in and of himself. Now, it didn't negate the promise. It didn't negate what God said. God's word is true, and that promise has unfolded in in generations to come after him. But Abraham himself never walked into that promised land. But there was generations afterwards that would live their life hearing about this promised land. They would hear about this promise that was made of, of this great nation, this land that was flowing with riches, 
the multiplication. And they did multiply when they were in Egypt. One of the reasons why the Egyptians got nervous is because of how many Israelites were just popping up. That's that multiplication factor. Thanks, Abraham. And that's essentially one of the reasons why the Israelites made the exodus out of Israel. And we know that they wind up in the, the wilderness because of a, maybe a faith crisis. And for a generation, they're in the wilderness, wandering, not really seeing the resolve or the fruit of this promise that Abraham was living under. And in some ways, I would say they kind of strayed from the promise. They kind of strayed from that faith in action. Does God really still hear us? Does God still really have that place for us? Again, I don't have time to go through all of the story, but just, just the highlights. We, we see Moses come and lead the people, and he can't get them through the wilderness. Moses, at the end of his life, he transitions power to Joshua. And Joshua receives a very similar call to what Abraham received. Joshua comes onto the scene as a new leader and and he receives the call to conquer that land. He receives a call to enter into that land. That promised land that was once the heartbeat of a people. But they've lost their way. And here they are in a wilderness. Joshua 1 says, Joshua, go, for now is the time to take the land. And Joshua gets the people ready, and, and he's, he's telling the people, we've got to move, we've got we've to take this land, and he sends out the spies, and they come back with the report, and they're figuring out their, 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 how they're going to do it. And, and one thing I, I see Joshua do, which I think is so important, because in the wilderness, they kind of lost their way. And there was a generation of Israelites who were no longer circumcised because that promise and that covenant that Abraham made got kind of lost in the wilderness. And before Joshua was ready to take and enter into that land, he says, we got to do something first. We have to mobilize our faith. We have to act upon the covenant. He, he remembered back to the old ways. He remembered back to the call that Abraham received. And Joshua made sure that the men of Israel were complete with their covenant. And it was the faith in action that led Joshua. Now Joshua, he's... He's going towards the promised land. He's going towards Canaan. They're at the borders. They're beginning to eat some of the land. They're beginning to eat some of the the produce. Let's, Let's continue in. Let's continue in. Let's keep going in. And what's the first thing they see? They don't see a land flowing with milk and honey. They see Jericho. He had a faith that he put into action. But you have to have a faith that can persist in the face of setbacks. Because you can be in the plan, the path, the purpose, and the will of God. And you can end up in front of a six-foot-thick, 12-foot-high wall that you can do nothing about. Well, I believe God is God. Tell that to the wall in front of you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of Man. Tell that to the wall in front of you. But no, Joshua was told, here's what you're going to do. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's not going to make a lot of sense. But I want you to march around those walls. I want you to just begin to circle those walls. Probably wasn't comfortable because they're Jericho wasn't an empty place. It was full. That's, Andrew, that's another sermon sometimes. What happens after the walls come down? Because that place was full. It was a, a conquered, occupied city. I'm sure there's people watching them. What are these people doing? What are these people doing? 
eventually Joshua had to say, shut up. Don't speak, just walk. Because I'm sure there was some murmuring. I'm sure, what are we doing? Don't speak. Don't just say you believe. Walk. Walk. Because faith, faith that moves you. Sorry to you on the live stream who can't see me right now. You gotta be here for this part, I guess. Faith that moves you will make you uncomfortable. But it's that same faith that persists in the face of setbacks. And I believe that God's word is as true as it is then, it is now. Yes, the circumstances that we live in might be different for us than it was for Abraham or for Moses or for Joshua or for the woman with the issue of blood or for Peter, but the quality of our faith ought to be the same. The quality of our faith ought to be the same where we're not afraid to step out into the unknown. When God says this is how you got to do it, when God says there will be a church and that church will persist, that church will stand against the gates of hell and you will go out and you will teach them, make disciples, baptize them. That is the call that we have been called to and that is the promise that we have been called to. And yes, there's setbacks. Is COVID a setback? I don't know. But I know that it didn't surprise God. Just like it didn't surprise God when Jericho showed up. He said, just walk. Just stay in the process of what I've called you to do. Joshua, you got to get these people just to be obedient in their faith, to just step in their faith, to mobilize their faith, to put their faith into action and watch what happens. Stand with me today as we conclude. In the New Testament, Paul says to Timothy, you have been saved into a holy calling. You are a called people today. All things work together for the good who are called. God, like he called Abraham, has called you into his purpose to be a light, to be a light that cannot be hidden but can shine into the darkest of this world. You are a chosen generation, the word says. He chose you like he chose Abraham, that you may proclaim his excellencies. He chose you that you can proclaim and worship him. You are called to worship. Your faith pushes you into action. You're called to go. You're called to be. You're called to worship Him. And at Life Church, I believe there will be breakthrough revival. I believe there will be breakthrough worship. I believe there will be breakthrough in our thinking. But I believe that it has to come through a breakthrough in our faith where we're not content to just know He's real, but we're content to do something about it. We're content to go out into all the parts of this world and begin to declare and to begin to exalt and exclaim His excellence because we're a chosen generation, because He has put His royal priesthood upon us and His promises will come to pass. So as we conclude, maybe right now, you say, my faith is up here. That's good. Keep it up here. But I know if you're anything like me, your faith gets worn down. You get worn down. You see things happen that weren't supposed to happen. Things that are supposed to happen, you don't see them happen. You say, God, is there really any point to all of this? Like Abraham, he was 75 when he was called. He waited 25 years for Isaac to be born. 25 years of waiting can do something to you. It can do something to you. You can get into those places and those moments. And, and Abraham did where he just kerfluffled the whole thing. But he would come back to an altar. He would come back to a place where he would find an altar and say, God, I want to be in your will. I want to be in your plan. And so today, as we close, you may be in a place where you need to just reconsecrate yourself to God. Maybe your faith, you feel comfortable in your faith. You come to church and you just feel comfortable in your faith. 
and, and you've never felt that place where God's actually called you out into the deeper waters, called you out into the deeper waters where he wants to use you to be a light to somebody. He wants to use you to pour out to somebody. He wants to use you, your testimony and what God saved you from to impact a life, to start a group in your school, to do something bigger than you've ever thought. If you feel like I just don't have that kind of faith, well then today there's an opportunity for you as the team leads us in worship to find a place either at this altar or in your seat and say, God, I need you to help me build my faith to the point where I can move into the places that you've called me to. God, that I can move into the places that might be scary to me. That God, you've called me into deeper places, into deeper waters, but I don't think I can do it. I need you today to help me. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you today are standing up against a Jericho. Maybe you're looking at a walled city and saying, God, this will never happen. You want me to, you want me to do what at an altar? You want me to, Pastor, you want me to come and pray at an altar and you think that's going to take this wall down? Don't speak. Just walk. Don't speak. Don't speak those words that put down what God is going to do in your life. But walk into a place. Walk to an altar. Walk into a prayer with God and say, God, it doesn't make sense that I'm going to pray and fast this week, but I'm going to do it because your word says to do it. I'm going to find myself in devotion to you because your word says to do it even when it makes no sense. So today, if you're facing a personal Jericho, a wall, something between you and the promise that you receive from God. I just want you to find a place to call on Him. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message spoke into your life, your heart, or whatever situation you may be going through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at lifechurch.ca on Instagram and on Facebook, just search Life Church and you will find our navy blue logo with the letters LC in the middle. Now, before you go, we ask if possible from whatever platform you may be listening to us on, give us a rating or a review or even both and share this message with someone so that they can be impacted by the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your support and love you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.